Gospel of John, John chapter 6, and uh, I had planned on, since we're having the uh, prayer meeting tomorrow night, I had sort of planned on teaching on prayer tonight, and God led me a little different direction, but I still believe that what I'm going to speak on tonight has much to do with prayer meeting tomorrow night. And so I want to talk to you tonight about this subject, Jesus, the problem solver. John chapter 6 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, if you'd stand, if not, that's fine. But John chapter 6 and verse number 1, we're going to read down through verse number 14. Very familiar passage of Scripture. John chapter 6 verse 1, the Bible says, After these things, Jesus went over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And I want to just stop real quickly and say what a beautiful, beautiful city Tiberias is. My wife and I had the privilege to visit the city of Tiberias, up perched up on a steep on a mountain there in Israel. And for those of you who get to go with us on our trip to Israel, we'll visit Tiberias. We'll not only visit Tiberias, we'll stay in Tiberias. And uh, funnels right down to the Sea of Galilee. Beautiful, beautiful place. Big, it's a big giant city now. And so the Bible says that they were over the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a, a great multitude followed him because they saw his miracles which he did on them that were diseased. And Jesus went up into a mountain, and there he sat with his disciples. And the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was nigh. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. And Philip answered him, Two hundred pennyworth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. 200 days wages is what he's talking about there is not enough. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, saith unto him, There is a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves. When he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down, and likewise of the fishes as much as they would. When they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. And therefore they gathered them together and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves, which remained over and above of them that had eaten. And then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, This is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. I want to draw your attention to verse number six tonight. Verse number six. The Bible says, and this he said to prove them. Look at the last line. For he himself knew what he would do. For he himself knew what he would do. Jesus, the problem Sovereign. You may be seated tonight. Let me pray, and we're going to jump right into the Bible study, and I hope it will be a blessing to you this evening. Father, thank you for letting us have Wednesday service. Thank you for the freedom that was mentioned tonight. Thank you for freedom to worship in America. Oh, Heavenly Father, please have mercy on our land. And not only mercy, but Lord, would you give us grace in America. Father, would you please help the right people to be elected, uh, Lord, into our offices of government. Lord, that, that we might be able to worship freely in America. We never thought that, that in our lifetime that these things, Lord, would come into question. But they certainly have. 
And so, God, we ask you for mercy, and we ask you for grace. We recognize you as the problem solver. And so, Lord, I pray that you would hear our prayer. And, Lord, we ask these things in Jesus' name. He is worthy. We pray now that you'll knit our hearts together as we learn a truth or several truths from your word tonight. And I pray that we'll go home the better because of this time we've had together tonight. And we pray once again, Lord, that the blessed Savior would receive honor and praise and glory from all that's done. Help us and fill us with your spirit, please. We love you and ask you for your help. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake and all God's people said, amen. Here in John chapter 6, we, we find that Jesus is gaining quite the following. Galilee is an area where people would gather who were often experiencing medical problems. I didn't know that quite as much until we had visited the Holy Land. And you wonder sometimes, you hear about Jesus having these great multitudes of people around him. And you think, why would people, why would that many people be gathered in a place like Galilee? One of the things that we learned was that in that area, there are many natural hot springs. And people would often travel to Galilee, the Galilee area, Tiberias and, and Capernaum and uh, Magdala and those places that surround the Sea of Galilee, they would often they would often travel there and bring their loved ones there to, to get them into those hot springs uh, for they felt that there was healing in those hot springs. Not only that, but Galilee was a pass-through of sorts. It was a pass-through for Jews on their way to Jerusalem for the Passover. We know, according to John chapter 6 here, that the Passover was nigh. And so Jews, by the thousands would travel down a passageway by the name of the Via Maris or the Way of the Sea. We went right by that while we were there. And it is basically a passageway or a cut through that, that works its way through those steep Israeli mountains. And some of those mountains are, some of those mountains are huge. In fact, Israel can be fairly hot down low, but if you go up on top of the mountain, sometimes there'll be snow in Israel. And so the Viamaras worked its way like a snake through those mountains, and, uh, and that was the easy way to travel. And so many times the Jews would travel from northern Israel through, through the Viamaras, the way of the sea, down to Jerusalem for the Passover. For this reason, multitudes have gathered here, and they're listening to the Lord Jesus teach the Word of God. They've been without food now for quite some time, and Jesus desires not only to feed them spiritually, but he wants to feed them physically. And so he mentions this to his disciples. Some say that there could have been as many as 20,000 people on this day that were listening to Jesus teach. The Bible mentions 5,000, but it also mentions 5,000 men. It makes no mention of the ladies, the women, the wives, nor does it mention all the children that were there. And so if there were 5,000 men, it stands to reason that a good number of those men were married. And since they're heading down to the Passover, they probably got their whole family with them. And so all the kids, by the way, all the kids, young and old, are with them. Some of these families are very large. And so because of that, some believe there could have been as many as 20,000 that were there 
listening to the Lord teach. Now, humanly speaking, we've got quite a problem on our hands. You think about, even if it, even if it was in our day and time, and even if we were going to cater it in, can you imagine feeding 20,000 people? Well, they had no catering services there. There were no restaurants close by, and there was nowhere that they could you know, call up and, and have them deliver the food. And so here they are. They're going to try to feed these 20,000 people. But notice what the Bible says. I love this. John 6, verse 5. When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, he saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? I love this next phrase. And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. I love that. Jesus already had decided how he's going to fix the problem before there ever was a problem. You know, the thought I, I had when I was reading this, I thought about the Lord Jesus Christ, and here Jesus is, and he has, he's mentioned this to his disciples, how they're going to remedy this problem. And I believe that, you know what, with Jesus, there was no concern. There was not an ounce of worry. The Lord Jesus Christ, his blood pressure was not a bit elevated. He was not taking Xanax or nerve pills because he was, you know, stressed out about what he was going to do. In fact, the Bible tells us here that the Lord Jesus Christ had already decided how exactly he was going to fix this problem. By the way, hey church, if you have a situation in your life, it only becomes a problem when you decide to fix it. Now think about it. You said, Pastor, I'm going to bring this big problem to the Lord, and that's, great, that, that, that's a great thing for you to do. But I just remind you, when you bring that great big problem to the Lord, it's not a problem to Him. And it really wouldn't be that big of a problem to you if you just give it to Him and let Him take care of it. And, and so I want to show you tonight, if I could, just a few interesting things about this story but I think, I think these things will help you tonight. Several things we notice here in John chapter 6. Number one, we notice, first of all, a hesitation. Look, if you will, at John chapter 6 and verse number 5. The Bible says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company coming to him, and the Lord, of course, the Lord wants to feed them. Notice what happens. He saith unto Philip, Whence shall we buy bread that these may eat? Interesting to me that Christ did not immediately fix this problem on purpose. Before he fixes the problem, you know what? He decides to set up some discourse with his disciples. And he begins to communicate with his disciples and he says, guys, we've got a situation on our hands. How do you think that we ought to solve it? Now you say, preacher, why is that? Why did the Lord not just handle it? I mean, he knew what he was gonna do. He knew that this little boy had a lunch. He knew that he was going to, he was going to, you know, multiply the, the bread and the fishes. And I mean, the Bible's very clear to tell us that he already had the, the solution for the problem. And so why is it that the Lord Jesus hesitated just a little bit before he fixed the problem? And I believe it's this, this is the reason because he wanted his disciples to ponder for a while. He wanted them to think about the problem. So they could see just how great the solution really was. This may not be a good illustration, but this is what I thought about. It's, the, it's exactly the reason why you marinate 
some meat before you prepare it for your family. You'll take that meat, you'll put it in a bag, you'll put the marinade in there, you'll shake it up, you'll seal it. Sometimes you'll put it in the refrigerator, you'll let it stay overnight, maybe even for several days. And one of the reasons you do that is so that marinade will will work its way into that meat before you prepare it. Can I submit to you tonight, that's exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. He wanted this situation to marinate for a while. He wanted the enormity of this situation, what they thought was a problem. He wanted the enormity of this situation sealed into their minds so when the solution finally come, they would recognize how great the solver was. Now, Calvary, I said that to say this. Don't be surprised. And more importantly, don't become bitter when the Lord doesn't fix your problems right away. And so we pray, you say, Pastor, I've got this situation on my hands and I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm pouring my heart out to God. I've even fasted. By the way, prayer and fasting works. But you've prayed and you've even fasted. And you say, Pastor, I'm trying to be faithful to church and I'm trying to read my Bible and I'm trying to spend time in prayer and yet God has not came through. God, seems like God's not hearing my prayer. God is not, God is not solving my problem. Now listen to me. It could be that God is wanting your situation to marinate a little bit. It could be that God is wanting that you, you to ponder on this situation and to think about this situation. And therefore, when the solve comes, when the solution comes, you know what? You'll realize just how great and wonderful God really is. Amen. Think about it. Think about it. You don't have to turn there. Exodus chapter 14. Here the Israelites are. They're traveling from Egypt. They've already made that mass exodus from Egypt. And they come against the waters of the Red Sea. And all of a sudden, uh, in the horizon, they see the dust of Pharaoh's armies. They can't go this way because of the Red Sea. They can't go this way because it's only slavery and captivity. And the Bible says that the Israelites, well, they begin to lose hope. And they begin to murmur. And uh, think about it. You understand that God did not instantaneously part the waters of the Red Sea. In fact, does anybody remember the advice that Moses gave them that day? In Exodus chapter 14, verse 13, And Moses said unto the people, Fear ye not. And then he said, Stand still. Stand still. And see the salvation of the Lord. You Somebody says, Pastor, if God knew he was going to part the waters of the Red Sea and God could part the waters of the Red Sea, why did God not do it immediately? Because God wanted that situation to marinate a little bit. He wanted those, those Israelites to see just what kind of problem they had on their hands. But thank God, God was able. And when God parted the waters of the Red Sea, they were able to see just how great their God really was. Listen, God may be wanting or God may be waiting rather because he wants you to see how great the solution is going to be when God comes. But don't you become impatient and don't get bitter and don't get mad at God while you wait. Listen, if you're praying and fasting and living for God and yet God has not come through for you yet, there's a reason. There's a reason. Listen, first John assures us he, he hears our prayers and he also assures us that he answers our prayers. 
And so if God hasn't answered your prayer yet, hang in there, be faithful, keep a good spirit, keep a good attitude, stay in your Bible, stay in prayer, stay in the house of God because you know what? It won't be long before God will come through for you. But sometimes God waits because God wants us to understand just how great he is. And so years ago, we had a couple in our church, the Hutchins, Robert and Holly Hutchins. By the way, still serving the Lord in Georgia and living for the Lord in Georgia. And we're, we're thankful for Robert and Holly, good friends. And Robert traveled down there to take a job. And, and, but anyway, when they first started coming to Calvary, they'd been to Calvary for a little while, and they wanted to have a baby. Oh, they wanted to have a baby. And they had tried and tried and tried, just couldn't get pregnant. And uh, Robert and Holly would come, and they'd say, Preacher, we don't understand. All these other people in our church, man, they've got little ones running around. And, uh, and, and, and we want a baby so bad, and, and yet God won't give us a baby. And we've tried and tried and went to fertility doctors and all these things, and it just seemed like, it just seemed like God wasn't answering their prayer. And he waited, and he waited, and he waited for months and months and months. And I remember them coming to me and they said, Preacher, they said, would you, we want a baby so bad. And I can, I, in fact, I think I can remember, and I know, I know Miss Holly wouldn't mind me telling you this, but I think I can remember telling Holly, Holly, don't you get a bad spirit. Don't you get bitter. God, God knows what he's doing. You trust the Lord. By the way, that's good advice. You trust the Lord. And I said, you just trust God. God knows what he does. God has a, a perfect timing. They came in the office and said, Preacher, they said, we want you to anoint us with oil and pray. And I remember them coming in the office and we took a little bit of oil and I anointed, uh, I anointed the crown of their head just in the privacy of the office and we prayed. And I said, God, I pray that you'll open this woman's womb and I pray that you'll touch the seed of this man. And if it's your will, give them a baby. And now they have three I kid them all the time, say, use too much oil, amen? And, uh, now, wait a minute now. Somebody says, but why, pastor? Why did God wait? Why did God wait? Why did God, uh, you know, why, why did God wait for months and even years before God gave them a child? I'll tell you exactly why. Because God wanted that situation to marinate just a little bit so when he finally comes through and gives the solution, they'll understand just how great that God really is. Now, again, the, the, the moral of that point is this. Don't become impatient. And don't. And so many Christians, you know, oh, I'm going to start preaching Sunday's message if I don't watch what I'm doing. Well, Lord, if you'll do this for me, I'll serve you. And what you need to say is, God, regardless of what happens, I am yours. And I'm going to trust you. We notice a hesitation quickly. Let's go further. How about this? Number two, we notice a rationalization. I love this. Look at verse 7. This is so good because this is so, this is so me and you. How many know the Bible's relevant? Amen? And it's on our level. John chapter 6, verse number 7, Philip answered him. So here they've got this major problem. Philip answered him, 200 penny worth. Now, a penny was a denarius. It's a day's wage. And so Philip says, Lord, if we had 200 men that gave their entire salary for the day, we still wouldn't have enough that every one of them may take a little. 
And we notice here that Philip is rationalizing and he comes to the conclusion, Lord, this probably ain't gonna work out. <laughs> is that what y'all get from that? <laughs> I mean, Lord, I know, I, I mean, you wanna feed these people. I know that that's wonderful. I mean, I really appreciate your generous spirit, but Lord, this probably ain't gonna work out. I mean, if we had all of this, we couldn't feed all of these. And so, Lord, I'm just, you know, I'm just letting you know that this is probably an impossibility. How many know that because of a lack of faith, many Christians settle for second best? Well, you say, Pastor, I'm not on the, you know, the shores of Galilee waiting to be fed with fishes and bread. No, but can I break it down and put the jelly down on the bottom shelf where we can reach it? Somebody says, well, I guess God's not going to send anybody into my life. So I'll just have to settle for who I can get. You know what that is? That's rationalizing. Here's a teenage girl or a a teenage boy or maybe a 19, 20, 21 year old and you've been praying that God would send somebody into your life and so far God hasn't, do it. God hasn't done it. God hasn't answered your prayer and, and, and you want somebody that you can spend the rest of your life, a mate for life that you can love and someone that will love you. And by the way, girls, you need a young man that will treat you like a queen uh, and you young fellas need a young lady that will love you and respect you and, and take care of you and cherish you. Oh, you safe preacher. There's none of those left. There is if you'll wait on God. If you'll wait. But we rationalize. And we say, well, this, you know, this, I don't know how this can work out. I mean, you know, and this is what I hear all the time. Well, preacher, I know, but we're in Union Grove. We're in, we're in Union Grove. <laughs> Let me tell you something, church. God can send a Christian young person just as easy to Union Grove, North Carolina as he can to Los Angeles, California, or New York City, or any other major metropolitan place in the world. But we rationalize. Well, you see, if we decided to tithe, we'd never make it. There's no way we can tithe. <laughs> if we, yeah, I mean, preacher, I mean, I appreciate you and everything, but I'm just telling you that if we decided to tithe, there's no way we could make it. You see where we're going? And we rationalize. And well, you know, preacher, if this doesn't work out, we're probably going to have to file bankruptcy. And, and preacher, if this doesn't work out, we're probably going to be homeless. And, and I want you to understand tonight, Calvary, that what is impossible with man is very possible with God. And what I cannot do and what you cannot do, thank God he can do. And sometimes he waits because he wants it to marinate a little bit. And when God finally comes through, we realize just how powerful and good and gracious he is. And we're having a good time in the house of the Lord tonight. So I've got three different illustrations here. I'll give you one. So several years back, some of you remember down here in this older building, it was a Sunday morning. We had visiting with us evangelist Jerry Whitehart. Love Brother Whitehart. And Brother Whitehart, we had had the song service. We had turned the service over, over to Brother Whitehart. I had introduced him. 
He came to the pulpit. I made my way down. We sat right over here on this side down there in the old building. My wife and I hardly ever get to, to sit beside each other. And on this Sunday, we were going to get to sit beside each other. And we were sitting there. And Brother Whitehart started the service. And he was great with crowds. And he was telling everybody where to turn and all of that. Well, back in that day, we had those old hardwood floors at Calvary. We're sitting on the front row. My wife drops her Bible flat on that hardwood floor. Just like that. And it made that kind of racket. And me being the merciful husband that I am, looked over at her like, what are you doing? <laughs> and when I looked over at Miss Tammy, some of you remember, body straight out, eyes rolled back in her head, having a full-blown seizure right in the middle of service, scared us to death. Some of you are here. I just literally, I scooped her up and ran out the door. Ran in the park a lot. I threw her in the van. Thank God we had an experienced man of God there that day or we'd have lost that service completely because the folks were so upset. I rushed her to the hospital. Long story short, seizure after seizure after seizure. Doctor after doctor after doctor. Medication after medication after medication. And how many know those medications have a way of working on you? And we just, nothing would work. Seizure after seizure. Driving privileges revoked. Independence gone. And I remember one, one weekend she had had a seizure on Friday and then she would sleep them off. She would, she would be completely wore out. She'd sleep them off. She got up on that Saturday morning. Hannah and I were at the house. The boys were gone by then, I think. And I remember Tammy walking into the living room and all we know is she was on her way to the couch when she just completely fell face forward, arms back, didn't block her fall at all. We have a brick fire mantle, uh, mantle place there in our house and her face connected with the brick fireplace. Fractured her, draw, her jaw, head, face bruised up. We thought she was dead. We called the MS, they came, put her on a backboard, took her to the hospital. It was that story over and over, seven days at Wake Forest Baptist Hospital in the epileptical unit there. And finally, Miss Tammy came. She said, hey, it's not working. The medication's not working. The doctors don't know what to do. Seizure after seizure. And then my wife said, why don't you anoint me with oil. And let's just have the church come around and let's just pray. Some of you were there. We brought my little wife in front of the church. We knelt down. I took a little oil and anointed the crown of her head with some oil. And our church gathered around. We prayed and cried and cried and prayed. And although this is not the way the Lord always works, she's not had a seizure since. Now, what are you saying? I'm saying that with, with man, things are impossible, but not with God. God is able. We notice that hesitation. We notice that realization, but this is so good because this is, again, this is so relevant for me and you. Look at this now, church. Look at the next thing. We notice a desperation. Look at John 6, verse number 8. One of his disciples, so Philip's already chimed in. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, 
Simon Peter's brother saith unto him, there's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And so here they are out of desperation trying to, trying to fix the problem on their own. Now think about it. Five loaves, two small fishes. When we think about loaves today, we think about sunbeam. You know, that's not what this was. These five small loaves were probably about the size of a yeast roll, a personal yeast roll. Well, five is only enough for me, amen? I mean, you know, I mean, put a little honey butter on the side. I mean, I, you know, I ain't sharing my five with anybody. And amen. But that's what they are. They're just a, they're just a personal little yeast roll sized. And then the predominant fish that was caught back in that day and still in this day in the Sea of Galilee is something called the St. Peter fish. It's about the size of a sardine. And so here they've got five yeast rolls and they've got two sardines. And Andrew comes and says, Lord, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could just tear them in little tiny, tiny pieces. Man, church, isn't this how we think? Lord, maybe we could just tear them in little tiny pieces and at least everybody could like get a taste on their tongue. And so we see, we see a sense of desperation. May I ask a question tonight? Why are we so independent? And by the way, I'm preaching to myself, not just you. Why are we so independent and determined to work out our own problems? When if we would just stop and give it to him and say, God, I'm not enough. I cannot fix this. I've tried to rationalize. I've been desperate. I've tried to figure out everything. But Lord, I, I cannot fix this thing. And God, I've got to have your help. And how many know that every time we stop and we turn it over to the Lord, it's amazing how things begin to work out. Have you ever done this? Have you ever misplaced something? Car keys? Uh, you know, something that you use on a daily, cell phone, you know, and you couldn't find it. It was dead, so you couldn't call it. And you're trying to find these things and you're searching, you're pulling out drawers, you're throwing clothes up. I mean, you're going through the garage, you're looking and, and you're just, you know, you're fussing, you're, you're telling your wife, I don't understand it. Where did they get to? I went back to the last place I left it and I, I can't find them and I don't understand it. I've got to be here and I've got to go there and I've got to do this. And the Holy Spirit whispers and says, did you ask me? Oh, when you're in a moment of carnality, that's not the voice you want to hear. <laughs> Is that true? And you're like, oh, no. And the Lord says, do you think about asking me? And you're like, oh, Lord. Lord, I should have, but I didn't. Lord, would you please help me to find my, and all of a sudden your wife says, here they are. <laughs> and the Lord says, if you would have just turned it over to me, it's amazing how I'm able to help you with your problems. We notice that hesitation, rationalization, desperation, 
But oh, how about this one, church? This is a good one. We notice a demonstration. A demonstration of superhuman power. Supernatural power. When these men finally realized that, you know what, they could not handle this problem, and so they turned it over to the Lord. The Lord said, I already knew what I was going to do. Look at it. John 6, verse 10. And Jesus said, make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to the disciples and the disciples to them that were set down. And likewise of the fishes as much as they would when they were filled. He said unto his disciples, gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together and filled. How many baskets? Twelve baskets with the fragments, with the leftovers of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. Not only did Jesus feed this entire crowd, but there's leftovers. Twelve basketfuls. Again, your point, preacher, my point is, when we'll turn it over to him, he can demonstrate his amazing power. Some of you have heard the name George Mueller. They said about George Mueller that he received 50,000 answers to prayer. George Mueller was a great evangelist, a great preacher of the faith, but also George Mueller and his wife were, were responsible for running five homes for orphans. Now, I knew about George Mueller. I didn't know this part. Five homes they ran, and I did not know this, caring for upwards of 1,800 kids. Boy, I'm going to tell you one thing. You better know God if you're going to take care of 1,800 kids. I'm talking about little street urchins and kids that didn't have a home, didn't have parents. And George Mueller and his wife would take those kids in. And they would care for those kids, and they would preach to those kids, and they would feed those kids and on one occasion at Ashley, what was called Ashley Downs Children's Home, the house mother of the orphanage came and she informed George Mueller, Sir, the children are dressed and they're ready for school. But she said, Sir, there is no food for them. And so George Mueller said to this house mother, he said, All right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to take him into the dining hall, the dining room. I want you to sit them down in their respective places. Here were plates and spoons. And all those 300 children sat down. And then they said, George Mueller walked in and he said, Children, let us pray. And he prayed something like this Lord, thank you for this food that we're about to receive. You got to know there was some little kid that peeked and looked down at that empty plate and thought, this man's psycho. <laughs> and George Mueller said, Lord, thank you. We know that you're going to provide for these 300 kids. Thank you for your provision. Thank you for your blessing. By the way, he had hardly got done with the prayer and all of a sudden there was a knock. They went to the door. And at the door, there was a baker. 
And he said, Mr. Mueller, I do not know why, but he said last night, he said, God would not let me sleep. And he said, I baked loaf after loaf after loaf of bread. And he said, I just felt like that you could probably use them. It wasn't long after that, there was another knock at the door. They went to the door. It was the milkman. Back in that day and time, was an old horse-drawn buggy that delivered the milk. And the milkman said to Mr. Mueller, Mr. Mueller, he said, I'm up just up, up the way here from the orphanage. And he said, the wheel on the wagon has broken. And he said, by the time I get it fixed, he said, the milk's going to spoil. He said, there is, is there any chance that you could use 10 cans of free milk? Now you say, Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying he's able. Hey, man. Yes. Yes. He's able. Whatever it is that you're going through tonight, whatever it is that you're experiencing tonight, whatever your difficulty may be, whatever your problem may be, it may be financial, it may be physical, it may be marital, it may be a family issue. I'm just telling you, there is a God and God is able and you keep on praying and keep on waiting on God and let that thing marinate and let it marinate and I'm telling you, when God comes through, hallelujah, hey, you'll realize just how great and big and powerful he really is. Amen. We're done. It's 825. But there was one last thing. There was a publication. Look back at your Bibles. John chapter 6, verse number 14. These men allowed Jesus to handle the problem. And notice what happens. Verse number 14. Then, after he solved it, then those men, when they had seen the miracle that Jesus did, said, this is of a truth, that prophet that should come into the world. If we'll let Jesus solve our problem, instead of trying to solve them on our own, if we'll pray and have faith, guess what happens? Guess who ends up getting the glory? Jesus does. And he's the one that deserves all the glory. Hey, church, listen. You're going through something right now. Some of you just assures, I, I, the Lord wouldn't have me preach this if some, somebody wasn't. You're going through something and you say, Pastor, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and I've sought God and so far God hasn't come through. What should I do? Keep on praying. Keep on praying. What should I do? Keep a sweet spirit. What should I do? Don't get bitter. And just trust the Lord. And live by faith. And you know what? It won't be long. You'll understand he's the problem solver. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this message. It's encouraged me tonight. Lord, I'm so glad that you are the problem solver. Lord, probably there's somebody here tonight or there's somebody watching by way of live stream and Lord, they've had this issue, this situation, and they've tried and they've tried and they've tried to handle it themselves. They've rationalized. They've been desperate. And Lord, tonight, I pray that they'll bow before thee and they'll acknowledge and say, Lord, I can't handle this myself. Tonight, I'm giving this problem to you. God, I need you to handle it for me. 
Father, I pray that you'll work in this invitation. Maybe somebody's here tonight and their spirit has got sort of warped because you didn't come through right away. Tonight they'd come and deal with that at the altar. Father, have your way in the invitation, please, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Let's all stand tonight. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If the Lord spoke to your heart tonight and you need to come, why don't you make your way down? Give it to Him tonight. If you've got a situation that's in your life and you say, Pastor, it's way too big for me, the altar's a great place to come and just leave it there. Lord, I'm leaving it with you. I cannot solve it. I'm leaving this thing with you. We're going to pause just for a little bit. Folks are coming. Folks are coming. Listen, if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I've never been saved. I need to be saved. I'm going to encourage you to come right now. I'm going to make my way to the main floor. And if you need to be saved, why don't you come? We'd love to take the Word of God and show you how you could be saved tonight. And if you are saved and you need prayer, there'll be somebody here to pray with you. I'll be glad to pray with you. And so while we wait tonight, you come.